Okay. I came on early. It is 6.20. We really started at 6.30. Came on early, about 10 minutes early. And I will answer one question on Bible prophecy. So if you have a question about Bible prophecy, put it up there. And uh, okay, now Rumble is having trouble. So I don't know if we're making it on to Rumble. Anyway, if you'll put a question up there on Bible prophecy, I will endeavor to answer it. Okay, let's see. Where do I go to comments? I don't see any comments or any questions yet. I hope I'm live. Yeah, there's Binyamin. Shalom. You know, I love doing this. I love talking to all the folks out there. If I just keep remembering to remind people that we're going to have a Bible study on Friday night, probably have a whole lot more people attending, but I keep forgetting. Hello, Pastor. Hello, Clary. Clary, Clary. That's so that if you're around someone that's hard hearing, they can still hear your name by saying it twice, right? Okay, Mike Neville. Hi, Stan. It's Stan, S-T-A-N. Ravenous Blackbird. Shalom. Shlika. Anamavin Evrit. Can anyone answer that? Anamavin Evrit. Mike Neville, hi, Stan. Hope you had a great week. Yes, I have. Yes. As a matter of fact, I've I've been humbled by how many people have jumped in to do the $9.90 a month commitment, uh, automatic commitment, and actually join Prophecy Club. I've been humbled to do that, and it's uh, very encouraging to see how many people are doing it. And I should say, I think the reason that's happening is because the great difficulty we've been warning about in terms of the dollar apparently is about to hit. And I think that's God taking care of this ministry through the trouble. Mike Neville, I've been listening to you a long time. I'm glad I found this tonight. Okay. Is it hot down there? Yes. You see what it is. It was 101 easy yesterday. 100 degrees exactly. 100 degrees. Do we have to see a, if a doc, do we have to see a doctor if we don't have anything to tell him? Well, I didn't used to think so, but about when I was 64, some doctor someplace says, well, you know, you get signed up for Medicare next year when you turn 65. I don't know what he's talking about. But I soon discovered when I turned 65 that I was automatically enrolled in a system. And that system is when you're 65, they start caring and taking care of you like I'd never been taken care of before. Now my doctor automatically sends me texts that give me the time for my next appointment, and I can change it if I like, but I discovered that there's a whole medical establishment out there to see that people 65 and older 
live longer. And that's very nice to discover. And it's also nice to discover, I might add, that in most cases, we don't have to pay for it, uh, thanks to the Democrats. Viva Cristo Rey. Okay, I think that probably means hello Christ or hello Christians, my guess is. So no one is going to interpret my Ana Mavin Ivrit. No one speaks Hebrew. Does the church do very much? Oh, why? Okay. I don't know. Anyway, does the church, church do very much outreach to the poor when so many could help one another? Blessings to Ohio. Binyamin, just learning Hebrew. Hi from Texas. Got five minutes more, no prophecy questions. Are you buying silver? Kathy Greer, is that question asked of me or someone on the chat? I'm deleting some comments that I thought are inappropriate. How long did it take you to memorize the book of Revelation? Well, I have the exact dates here. I started memorizing it 
1127 of 17. And I finished 523 of 17. That can't be right. I just now noticed that. That would be of 18. Okay, so I I actually memorized it in six months, but I discovered <laughs> memorizing it once is not enough. So then I spent the next six months going back through and memorizing it again. And I was just going through again last night and re-memorizing it again because I'm always having to refresh my memory. I would love to be able to say I have a steel trap for memory, but it's kind of like smoke. It starts evaporating, evaporating pretty quickly. And I've noticed it's doing it a lot more since it turned, well, next month I turned 70. So I used to buy your VHS tapes and strip them to friends. Well, good for you, Kathy. Uh, somebody tell me how many people we have watching on Facebook. I don't know if prophecyclub.com will tell you how many people are watching. I think YouTube will. And then we had some kind of a problem connecting with uh, Rumble. Let me click on that. and Let's see. Um, having trouble streaming to Rumble tonight for some reason. So if Sean is watching, maybe you can jump on that, Sean. Edit. I don't know what edit. You know. One minute. Oh, 20 on Facebook. Okay, great. Twenty on Facebook. How many people on YouTube? Let me jump over here. I wonder if it'll tell me if I look at Prophecy Club, if it'll actually tell me how many people. It might create some kind of a crazy loop. Yeah, it might, might be a problem. I probably should turn that off. Okay, it is 6.30. It is time to start. <clears throat> so, we start with prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And Lord, we ask you to show us the deep and secret things. Wisdom and might are yours. You change at the times and seasons. You remove the kings and setteth up kings. You giveth wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. You revealeth the deep and secret things. You knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with you. So, Lord, we ask you to show us the deep and secret things. Help us to understand your word, not just ink on paper, but beyond that. Help us to understand what it means to us now and in the future and the country we live. And help us to hear your voice, be that voice behind us speaking, saying this is the, the way, walk ye in it. Be a lamp into our feet and light into our path. Help us to mount up with wings as eagles to run and not grow weary and to walk and not faint. As we are that last generation, this generation that will see the return of Jesus. And we say, great and marvelous are the works, Lord God Almighty. 
just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee when thy judgments are made manifest. And to you we say, Amen. Blessing, glory, and wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, power, and might be unto our God who liveth forever and ever. We say, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who is and was and who is to come. And we say, Worthy is the Lamb to take the book and to open the seals thereof, because you were slain as redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we should reign on the earth. Lord, you did say that wherever two or more agree, two or more gather in your name, there you are in the midst of them. So we know that the Holy Spirit was is with us tonight to help us to understand your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're going to start at Acts chapter 16 tonight, and I did a little bit of preparation for to find out how it is best to see this. And I think you are about to see it right now, except for I like this one a little bit better. I think you can still see it, but hopefully you can still see me. So we're going to start in Acts chapter 16. If you have your Bible handy, that would be great, especially if it's King James. If it's not King James, and then just read it off the screen is my suggestion. Okay, so I think I have to do this. Yes. Okay. Then he, speaking of Paul, then he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess and believed that his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him Paul would have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and the elders which were at Jerusalem. Now, what were the decrees that they were to keep? Well, all they had at that time was the, the things of the Old Testament. They did not have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John yet. Yes, it had occurred, but I doubt it had been written. And if it was written yet, it certainly wasn't distributed. And they didn't have all of the other epistles, as they call them. And they certainly didn't have uh, the book of Revelation. They didn't get that for some 96 some odd years, not until 96 AD. So the decrees, the most things that they were talking about in those days was they were just preaching that Jesus was crucified and he fulfilled many of the covenants, many of the prophecies written in the Old Testament. And so the churches were established in faith and increased in number daily. Now, somebody the other day said to me, okay, so what's the difference in your church, your church and the other churches? Well, I'm going to say this. I think there's far too many differences in churches today. In my opinion, I think a church should be simply getting a King James Bible, reading it, studying it, memorizing what they can of it, and the church leadership, whether you call them apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, whatever it is, should be doing their very best to get the entire congregation to read, study, and to follow that Bible. Now, yes, there's other things in a church. But, I mean, if they don't do that, then they've lost their first love. 
Revelation chapter 1. So that's what a church today should be. That doesn't sound too complicated, but it is a whole lot more complicated than what it sounds, and it's a whole lot more difficult than what it sounds. Verse 6. Now, when they'd gone through Prigia into the region of Galatia and were forbidden by the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Now, that has always been a question. Why did the Holy Ghost forbid them to go into Asia? Well, the answer is I don't exactly know, but my guess is that the Holy Spirit already knew that Asia at that time would not accept the gospel. And I might add some other things we're about to read tonight. The places where they were sent did not accept the gospel real well either, as Paul and, uh, what was it, his companion, I, I get, Paul and his companion, was, I think it was Paul and, not Paul Barnabas, um, anyway, they were beaten. And a lot of places the gospel was not accepted well. Anyway, let's go on. Uh, so we're now when they've gone through Prigia in the region of Galatia and were forbid, forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Magia, they essayed to go to Bethina. Now, I looked up Bethina. Where in the world is that? So I've got an answer for you here. Just a second. got to stop sharing, and then I have to go to screen share, and then I want to go to, okay, this shows you the map of where Bethina is. Now, this is the Black Sea right here. Russia's up here. This is Italy over here. This is Turkey down below, but I've got another one to show you, too. Uh, I have to click here. have to click there. And it would be nice if it would switch more quickly than this. But all right. So this is where it is. Northern Turkey is was the question that at the time. Share screen and back. Okay, so after they come to Mysia, Mysia, I guess the way, anyway, they decided to go to Bethina, but the Spirit suffered them not. So they were told, don't go to, to China, and they were also told, don't go to Turkey. And today, those nations pretty much don't have too much in the way of Christians. And they, passing to Mysia, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately he endeavored to go to Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. You would like to think that God would send information to people that don't have it that probably won't accept it. That's not what I have discovered. For example, in about 1986, Seven, I was teaching a class on Bible prophecy, and I had been teaching that Revelation 18 had to be America. Shortly after that, a lady walked up to me and handed me an audio tape, remember the cassette tapes, and said, I think you'll be interested in this. I can still remember her words. Listening to it on the way home, it was Dimitri Dudeman giving his testimony of being put on the electric chair and then the fall of America would start with an internal revolution and all that sort of stuff. I don't think that I would have got that information before I was teaching that Revelation 18 had to be America. I think it was only after I was teaching it. 
And you would think that God would be sending information out to change people's minds. It's been my experience that in most cases, he only strengthens the things that they already discover. Now, that's not 100% all the time, obviously, but it does seem to be that. Now, what does that say to us? It says to us, we all need to be getting into the scripture. We all need to be studying so that God can confirm his word. All right, let's go on. Verse 11, therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothrisa, and at the next day, Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony. And we were there in that city abiding certain days, and on the Sabbath, we went out to the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. Now, notice where God did send them. Where he sent them was where they were already praying and already seeking the Lord to the best of their ability, even though in those days, you know, they didn't have a copy of the Bible. There was no copy of the Bible. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which are spoken of by Paul. Once again, God sent her more information once she had already accepted the little bit he had given her. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. In the 25-some-odd years where we had monthly meetings, I can remember having to talk a few people into staying in my house. I wanted them to come into my house. Not because I didn't want to put them at a hotel and spend the expense for the hotel, as much as I wanted the anointing in the house. I wanted the privilege of having them in my house. I remember Ron Wyatt specifically said, well, I would really rather stay at a hotel. And I said, well, I would, I would really rather have you come to our house, as did Henry Groover and Dimitri Dudeman two different times and many of the other speakers. I remember, I remember, I remember when Bill Sneblin came. It was the first time we locked our bedroom door when he was in the house. Now, Bill's a great guy, but if you listen to his testimony, which you can go to watchprophecyclub.com, and he's got like five or six DVDs up there. But if you watch his testimony, he was a vampire. I believe it was for two years. I mean, literally, he explains it. He lived off of human blood. That is all he ate. And also the, the wafers, the little wafers that the Catholic priests give out. It was a blood and wafers for two years. Quite a testimony. And what set him free? One name, Jesus. Okay, so. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought our masters much gain by soothsaying. Today we have those still, they are called tarot card readers, palm readers. Uh, a lot of times it's just call the 800 number and we'll give you a prophecy. Only they're a lot smoother today because they charge you. I don't know why they charge, I never called one, but my guess is it's quite a bit. The same followed Paul and us and cried saying, these men are the servants of the most high God which show us under the way of salvation. Did you get that? So this woman that had a spirit of divination possessed by demons, she recognized 
that Paul had the message of salvation, that Paul was a man of God. And she started following him. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out in the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of their gain was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them to the marketplace into the rulers and brought them to the magistrate, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Now, you have to understand, in those days, jail meant that you're not just locked behind a door, but probably behind several doors. And they had to put them into stocks so that they could not move their feet and their hands all night long. And a lot of times the jailer handcuffed, you would say today, himself to the prisoner. Why? Because the prisoner escaped, the jailer was killed. Big deal. Who, having received the charge, thrust he'll get me back up. And when they had delayed meeting stripes on them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who, having received such a charge, thrust them into their inner prison, made their feet fast in stocks. And in midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Now, why do you think God? is having us read this tonight. I'm going to say that's one of the big points. Let me read that again. Okay. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Question. Do you think the, the people, the Christians of Paul and Silas' day, were persecuted more than the people of the day that the Mark of the Beast would be coming out? Which ones will be persecuted more? Which ones will kill more of the people of God? The answer is, we, this last generation, are probably going to be persecuted and killed and tortured far more than Paul and Silas. So this is really a recipe of what to do when these things happen. I said when, not if, when. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. Okay, so when they put us in jail, I didn't say if, when, many of us, maybe most of us are heading there. All you got to do is look and see what's happening in the world today. Project that on out. I mean, it's like, okay, so you've seen people do these charts where they'll say, and this is where it's going right here. Okay, so if you project where our world is heading right now, down the road, yeah, they're going to be rounding up Christians putting them in jail at first, probably just like they did the Jews in World War II. And then it gets worse and worse and worse until finally, yeah, don't take that mark. We just lop your head off. I read a dream from someone just this past week. That's exactly what they saw. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. Obviously a miracle from God. Now, I've told you many times, Saturday night, August the 8th, 2015, I said, Lord, what do you want me to say for the sermon tomorrow morning? And I heard words, I promise. I promise for God I heard words. It says, this is the time of miracles. As the judgment hits, so will my miracles. Miracles like no one has seen. You tell them, 
I will never leave them nor forsake them. As the judgment hits, so will my miracles. What does that mean? He said, I'm going to meet the devil inch by inch, inch for inch, step for step, pound for pound, everything he does. What does that mean? I think that as, at least Ron White was told by the angel as he was standing next to the Ark of the Covenant, the angel said that one day the Ten Commandments would come out. He said they'll come out when the Antichrist comes out with his Ten Man's Commandments, that God will see to it that the real Ten Commandments come out. And probably when the Antichrist sits on the throne and says, I'm God, stops animal sacrifice, and then, of course, the image of the beast stands up and says, everybody got to worship him. Probably about that same time is when also the Ark of the Covenant is going to be found so they can find out that Jesus is really the Lord of glory, the Messiah, really the Christ that we all say that he is. And they keep her the prisoner waking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself because that's what they're going to do for him. If he didn't kill himself, they were going to kill him because he saw that they're all going to escape. Supposing that the prisoners had been fled, but Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. Now notice it said he called for a light. That meant the jailer was locked in the jail with the prisoners all night long, and there was no light. <laughs> Talk about scary. That, that's pretty scary. Called for a light, sprang in, and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? <clears throat> that is the phrase. All of us Christians want our friends, our neighbors, relatives, business friends, work friends, all of them, want all the people around us to ask that same question. What must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake in him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour by the night and washed their stripes and was baptized. He and all his household, it didn't say household, but it's what it's talking about, straightway. And when he had brought them to his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the sergeants, saying, Let those men go. And the keeper of the prison told his Paul, saying to Paul, The magistrates are sent to let you go. Now, therefore, depart and go in peace. And Paul said, I'm not so fast. You guys have made a big mistake. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned, being Romans. Now, around the world, (laughs) at least it used to be, if you're an American, they respected you. Uh, the, The American passport still has more power than any other passport out there. But in those days, the Romans apparently had passed laws that actually said, if you're a Roman citizen, you had extra privileges over the people, not Romans. So Paul said to them, you've beaten us openly, uncondemned, and were Romans, and have cast us into prison, and now you're going to thrust us out privately? I don't think so. Nay, verily. But let them come themselves and fetch us out. See, they should. If Paul wanted to avoid this beating, all he had to say is, I'm a Roman. And they would have feared and they said, oh, okay, we, we can't touch him. So why didn't Paul tell them he was a Roman? 
I'll ask again. Why didn't Paul tell them he was a Roman? I submit to you that he was willing to die for Jesus. Other places, Paul said, I'm willing to die for you. I'm willing to be beaten for you. Now, we got to ask ourselves, is that the right attitude? Well, of course it is. Okay, now, bigger question, is that our attitude? Or are we looking for Jesus to return in the clouds and pull us up off of the earth so we don't have to suffer like Jesus suffered for us? I mean, we really appreciate Jesus suffering for us, but, you know, we don't want to suffer for him, right? Now, I love my pre-trib brothers and sisters, and I'm glad you're watching. And you can still be a pre-tribber. It doesn't bother me a bit. Just as long as when it's discovered that there's not a pre-trib or a mid-trib rapture, no one is coming to save you, that you do not fall away, you do not deny Jesus. You'll promise me that, then you can believe pre-trib all you want to. So the sergeants told those words unto the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans, and they came and sought them, and brought them out, and desired them to depart out of the city. In other words, to say, look, look here, we, we, we'll give you a fare for a taxi. We'll pay for you an Uber. We'll, we'll get you out of the city. Just go. Here, we'll even give you a water burger. Essentially, that's what they're trying to get them to go, so they won't get in trouble. And they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. In other words, they did go without causing the guys problems. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. Now, another question. <clears throat> Do you think God could have stopped the beating of Paul and Silas? Sure. Why did he let the beating go on? Why did Paul and Silas let the beating go on? All they had to do is say, I'm Romans. And all of a sudden, they would not have been beaten. Now, let's put ourselves in the same position. One of these days, they're going to come, and they're going to say, you can't preach. Remember what Coverstone said? You can't preach like that anymore. You can't talk, say those kinds of words, words like LGBT and things like that, okay? Words I can't even say even today. They're going to say you can't uh, say those kind of words, and there's a time coming probably pretty soon. As a matter of fact, Michigan just tried to pass a law exactly that. Exactly that. If you upset somebody about their, how do I even word it now, uh, about what they say resides between their legs, that's as nice as I can put it, if you upset them about what you say about it, you could be fined up to $10,000 and put, in, I think it was like two years in jail or something like that, some crazy stuff. I don't know if the law has passed yet, but Coverstone was shown in a dream. If we don't pray against it, those kind of things are coming to a neighborhood near us. Chapter 17. Now, when they passed through Amphipolis, Apollyona, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. Now, Jews in those days, were the biggest hindrance to the gospel. I remember when Prophecy Club started, the guy that invited me to start a radio program, said, you know, the biggest problem you're going to have is not with the secular people. It's not with the government. The biggest problem you're going to have is with the Christians. Now, through these some 30 years I've been doing this, he's been exactly right. I don't get emails or problems from the government. It ignores us. 
I don't get any attacks from the government. I don't get attacks from sinners. They ignore me. The emails, the attacks that I get always come from good Christians. Yep. Now, when they passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, in his manner, was, went into them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. That's the gospel. That's the message. They said, okay, this guy just got crucified here a couple of weeks ago, a couple of years ago, or five years ago, whatever the situation was. He was Christ. And then they went through the scriptures trying to prove to them that he was the Christ as Moses and the other prophets said would come. And if you accept him, you can have your sins washed away and have eternal life. Today, we have the whole New Testament. Today, we have so much more proof ammunition. I mean, you're talking about proof. You see, I've been on top of Noah's Ark. I've got a piece of it. I've been to, uh, to Sodom and Gomorrah several times. I've got a shoebox full of sulfur balls that I picked up from there. I've been on top of Mount Sinai. As a matter of fact, made note of it here. August 8th, 2022, I climbed Mount Sinai in Saudi Arabia. There's a lot more proof we have today that the Bible is true. We can pick up a copy of the Bible. I mean, some of them, the copies of the Bibles are a dollar or two. Okay? We can get copies. Was not the case in those days. So they opened the ledge that Christ had to suffer, rise again, and that this Jesus, who they were preaching, is really the Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and guess what? Some didn't. And of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. So a lot of people did believe, but the Jews were again the problem. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, envy, took them into certain lewd fellows of the baser sort. Okay, what do we call those lewd men of the baser sort? So what they did is they led a bunch of people in the southern border, gave them cell phones, and then they said, when we call you, show up for training, and we're going to train you, we're going to arm you, and we're going to send you out to blow up factories, blow up electrical plants, blow up dams and things and bridges and cause all kinds of problems. So they found the lower class people that didn't mind doing bad things to do bad things for them. And they hired them, paid them, and rewarded them for doing that, kind of like we just had in, how do I say this? On November the 3rd of 2020, where they had people round up ballots, stuff ballot boxes, and cheat. And a lot of the people cheating then are a lot of people cheating today. People call themselves Jews that are not, but they're out of the synagogue of Satan, Revelation says. They call themselves Jews, but they're not sons of Joseph, of, of, uh, of Abraham. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy and took them to certain lewd fellows of the baser sort. They gathered up 
the evil people of the day to cause problems and gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar. Kind of like what we saw in the summer of 2022, wasn't it? No, yeah. So, well, yeah, 2020, 2020, I guess it was, when we saw the looting and the burning. Of course, <laughs> been several of that since then. Set up the city uproar, assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren under the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also, whom Jason had received, and all these do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there's another king, one Jesus. So what they do, what the Jews do, what the Democrats do, what the evil left does is find some way that the good people are doing something wrong. We see the same thing happening. What are there two or three different investigations into President Trump right now? Uh, matter of fact, I heard today they just levied some more charges against him. This is how the devil stops the good people. They say, you sinned. So since you're not perfect, we get to do what we want to do. And so they basically what we're seeing right now is they're coming after Trump and they're saying, if you'll let our guy go, uh, then we'll let your guy go. If you will quit hassling Trump, if you'll quit hassling Biden and his son. That's essentially what they're saying. The more they hassle the Bidens, the more hassles they give to Trump. Same thing happens, the same spirit, same thing going on today. When they had taken security of Jason and the other, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night into Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in which they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily. Wouldn't we like to see Americans do that today? Wouldn't we like to hear Americans say, what must I do to be saved? Have you ever had an American come to you and say, what must I do to be saved? These days you can't get people to go to church can't get them to show up to a Bible study. Very, 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 very few in America. They received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, also of honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men, not a few. A lot of people getting saved. But when the Jews, yeah, there here comes the problem. <laughs> but when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea, so as soon as the Jews hear about Jews, Jesus, again, they come out of the woodwork to stop the work of God. The knowledge of the word of God was preached by Paul and Berea that came thither also and stirred up the people. And then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go, as it were, to the sea. But Silas and Timotheus abode there still. And they that conducted Paul brought him to Athens, and receiving a commandment to Silas and Timotheus for to come to him with all speed, they departed. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him. And when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry, therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met him, that certain philosophers of Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him. And some said, OK, same things happen today. If you stand up and try to preach the true gospel, 
there are people today that still come after you, and that's in America. I mean, I get emails, people say, oh, yeah, well, there's a road, there's a game. They're just griping. These certain philosophers of the Epicureans and the Stoics encountered him. And some said, what will this babbler say? Others, some, he seemed to be a settler, a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him unto Areopagus, saying, May we know what this is, this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is. For thou bringest certain things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there all spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. In other words, these were a group of philosophers. Let's sit around and let's talk about the things of the world. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, You men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are just too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. So Paul says, I want to talk to you about this unknown God. He says, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth all life to all and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath determined that the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from us, from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Those words are famous. For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of our own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to drink that the God has is of gold or silver or stone or graven by art in a man's device. And the times of this ignorance and the times of this ignorance, God winked at. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent because he hath appointed a day in the which he would judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained where he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. And when they heard this resurrection of the dead, some mocked. Others said, We will hear again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them, howbeit certain men clave unto him, and believed. So some believed. Most said, We'll hear again. But there's a few who said, No, no, we, don't, we just we don't, mocked it. We don't believe it. And it's interesting, I've seen God open the hearts of people and receive Jesus, and I've seen other people. I mean, if you've ever tried to talk to a Jew about Jesus, you get further talking to a telephone pole. I don't know what it is, but talking to a Jew about Jesus, you're not even speaking their language. It's like you're talking a different language. It's a strange thing. So Paul departed from them, howbeit certain men clave to him, and believed. Among the which was Dysonius the Aeropagite, 
and a woman named Demarius and others with him. Now, we're at chapter 18. So let me jump over here for just a second. See if there's any of these questions that I should be addressing. Again, if you have a question, put a Q in front of it so it'll kind of pop out to me. Well, I'm not seeing any cues. I wish we were all in a room so we could all have fellowship and get to know each other and love on each other. I'm looking for a cue. By the way, a compliment, you know, something positive, that's okay too. <laughs> okay. All right, I guess we'll go on then. Okay, so we're in chapter 18. <clears throat> After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately, come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that of Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves, the blood be upon your own heads. And the Jews, when they crucified Jesus, said, let his blood be upon our heads and upon our children. And apparently that is still active today. As a matter of fact, if you want, I'll tell you what. I'll show you. Let me write that down where I am here. Hang on. So I can come back to it. Okay, that's Acts 18.6. Let me show you where it uh, says that that is going to change. Okay, let me think. Jeremiah... 50, ah, Jeremiah 50, 20, type it right. And in those days, and in that time, saith the Lord, the iniquity of Israel shall be sought for, and there shall be none. And the sins of Judah, and there shall not be found, for I will pardon them whom I reserve. In other words, there's a time coming when God just forgives the sins of Israel. I don't think that there's some big revival. I don't think they receive Jesus. There's a few that receive Jesus. But I think that because of their 2,000 years of God heaping judgment on them, finally he, it reaches the point to where the judgment is enough, and he simply forgives them. That's his choice. If he wants to forgive them, he's sovereign. He can forgive them, and he does. 
Now let's jump back to Acts 18.6. Here we go. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean from henceforth. I will go to the Gentiles. And that was Paul walking away from the Jews. Now some 2,000 years later, how the Jews done? Well, they've been in exile. They've only recently been given back their land. Their whole language was taken away from them. God has only recently returned the Hebrew language back to them. They didn't have it too good. Now, they were still very blessed, and many of them are the richest people on the planet. But, of course, gold and silver have I none, but such as I have, I give to thee. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that was Peter. There's a time coming when the only thing that's going to matter is our relationship with Jesus. Let's go on, though. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God, whose house was joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. Now, what happened to the Jews that wouldn't receive the good news? Paul dusted his feet, went to the Gentiles. When he got to the Gentiles, what happened? The Gentiles received the gospel. Right now in America, if you were to walk up to someone and say, are you a Christian? If they were to say no, if you were to say, well, will you let me tell you the good news that Jesus can forgive your sins and you can live forever? You might get hit. You might get spit on. You might get slapped. Chances are you're not going to, I'd say in 10 people, you probably won't find one that will listen to you. Consequently, God has to hit America, and God is going to hit America. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by vision, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. Notice where he sent Paul. He sent Paul to the people that had already been looking for God. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. That's one of the reasons I live in Texas. I think it has the highest percentage of Christians of any of the states that I visited. I want to live around Christians. Not necessarily in a beautiful territory, not necessarily in a beautiful city or a rich city. I want to live among Christians. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. And when Gallio, which was the deputy of Archaea, and the Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul. So who is it causing problems again? It's the Jews. Now, I need to say, I love the Jews. I love Israel. And I want to go over to Israel. I want to win as many as I can to Jesus. I want to find oil. I want to present it to Israel. I want to be a blessing to Israel. I love Israel. But the Jews, and many of those Jews that say they're Jews that are not, but they do lie. They are the synagogue of Satan. And the brief story on that was, like 2,500 years ago, the surrounding nations went to Khazaria, or Kazakhstan, as it's called today, which is partly where Ukraine is located. They went to him and said, you guys are totally evil. We're going to make you choose a god. You can choose Muslim, Allah. You can choose the Christian religion, 
actually it wasn't 25, but more like about 2,000 years ago. It wasn't a Christian religion 2,500 years ago. You can choose uh, Jesus. You can choose to be a Jew. But you got to find a God because you're so evil. So they said, all right, fine, we'll become Jews. So they decided to become Jews. And they started reading the, the, uh, the, the, the Torah and all of the, the prophets and stuff. But they didn't really change. They just put the outward appearance on. And then many of them went to the Jews and said, can we intermarry? The Jews said, no, absolutely not. You're not sons of Abraham. We're not going to marry you. So many of them changed their names anyway. And through the years, there was some intermarriage. Today, they're called the Khazarian Mafia. They are the wealthiest, strongest people on earth today. And they are the people that, in my opinion, worship Moloch. And they are of the 13 Illuminati bloodlines. They rule the world. And their objective is to put the Antichrist on the throne. They are the synagogue of Satan. They're Jews that say they're not, but do lie, Revelation says. But I love the Jews of Israel. I love them. I want to bless them. I want to take them oil in Israel. I want to fly a lot of Christians and Jews back to Israel. I want to help them. So I want to make that absolutely clear. I love the Jews in America, or Jews in Israel, and Israel. For I'm with thee, and no man shall set thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in the city. He continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. And when Gallio and the deputy Archaea and the Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, This fellow persuadeth men to worship God contrary to the law. And when Paul was now about to open his mouth, Gallio said unto the Jews, All right, guys, if it were a matter of wrong or wickedness, O you Jews, reason would that I should bear with you. In other words, if they were really doing something wrong, then I would listen but they aren't doing anything wrong. You just don't like them. You don't really have a cause to speak, so get out of here. That's basically what he's about to say. But if it be a question of words and names and of your law, look ye to it, for I will be no judge of such matters. In other words, I'm not going to put up with this. You're attacking Paul and Silas for no good reason. And he drove them from the judgment seat, and all the Greeks stood, took Sosthenes, the chief ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat, and Gallio cared for none of those things. Gallio was the leader. He told the Jews, hit the road. Allowed Paul to preach the gospel more effectively. And Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while, and then took his leave of the brethren and sailed thence to Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Centuria, for he had a vow. You can talk a long time about a vow. Paul shaved his head. In those days, not only they didn't shave their head, they didn't shave their beard, they were woolly, <laughs> very woolly. Uh, but this vow, the Bible doesn't say what the vow was, but he took it real serious. And he came to Ephesus and left them there, but he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they desired him to tarry longer time with them, he consented not, but bade them farewell, saying, I must by all means keep this feast, that cometh in Jerusalem, but I will return again unto you if God will. And he sailed from Ephesus. And when he had landed at Caesarea and gone up and saluted the church, he went down to Antioch. And after that, he had spent some time there. He departed and went up all the country of Galatia and Pergia in order, strengthening all the disciples. That's what we're supposed to be doing here tonight, getting ourselves strengthened by getting the word of God in us, strengthening the disciples. 
And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in the spirit. He spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. So, yeah, this guy didn't even know about Jesus. He didn't know it. Apparently, the baptism of John, he apparently didn't know that Jesus had died on the cross even. The baptism of John was just getting your name in the book of life. But apparently, he, let's put it this way. He didn't know the whole gospel. We don't know exactly what he knew and what he didn't know. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla heard, they took him unto him and expounded in him the into the way of God more perfectly. In other words, he didn't have the whole story. Okay, well, let me tell you the rest of the story. But that's what we as Christians, especially as teachers, are supposed to do. There's Christians out there that, you know, these days don't know about the end times. They don't know about the book of Revelation. And here it is about to be in the front newspapers. Here it is about to start lopping their head off, and they don't even know about it. So as in those days, they were obligated to show them a more perfect way. And that's our job today is to show each other a more perfect way. Speaking of, we only have five people signed up for the School of the Watchmen, September the 15th and 16th. And part of that has been my heart. I haven't been really excited about it. But God gave me a dream Wednesday night. And I was in front of a group of people, started a meeting. There was like, I don't know, maybe 160 people in the room in that kind of a ballpark. And they were all very, very glad to have a meeting. And I detected from their heart, from the spirit, that it wasn't the meeting. It's just they wanted to gather together and just fellowship together. And so I think what I'm going to do is kind of change the objective. And uh, we're still praying about this. I don't know exactly what I'm going to do yet. But I think I'm going to lower the price and change the objective. And what is on my heart to do is to teach more than just Revelation. I'll probably come in and start teaching about Ezekiel 38 and 39, Matthew 24, uh, some of the other prophecies, Daniel 7 especially, tying these together to paint that end-time picture. And I'm going to really emphasize that people ask questions because there's a tendency in me when I'm teaching Bible prophecy, since I understand pretty much everything in the Scripture, I start to say everything, but that's a very, very risky thing to say about the Bible. I tend to just keep going and blow by points that people don't know. So if they don't raise their hand, if they don't say, well, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, what, what was that? Then I just keep going because I understand it. So I assume they understand it. So I'm thinking of doing something differently. I was hoping that the money to drill the well in Israel would come in so that I would be in Israel, September 15 and 16, praying over the five locations I went to pray over. Um, we're running out of time to do that. So it looks right, like right now, apparently we're going to be teaching Bible prophecy September 15 and 16. So anyway, let's go on here. And when he was deposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, 
who, when he was come, helped them much, which he had believed through grace. So what happened? The churches that he had started, the churches that knew Paul and Silas, wrote letters to the other churches. Paul and Silas carried the letters to say, look, these are good people. You can trust them. You can believe them. For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, showing by the scriptures that Jesus truly was Christ. Now we're going to start another chapter. Let's see if we've got enough time. 724, absolutely. And it came to pass that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast and came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said to them, Then what were you baptized under? And he said unto them, John's baptism. Then Paul said, John, verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, water, okay? Saying to the people that they should believe on him, which should come after him, that is Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, so how did they get baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus? They weren't dunked. It wasn't water. He laid hands on them. Another place will say that he blew on them. So the Holy Ghost is more caught than taught. The Holy Ghost, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is for boldest power and witnessing, is not given by water baptism. Now, I agree some people, when they're baptized in water, some of them get it immediately. Some of them get both of it. I've seen that happen too. I mean, God can do what he wants to do, right? But there's two different baptisms. John's baptism, the baptism of water, repentance, is for writing your name in the book of life. That's the most important one. But that does not give you boldness, power, and witnessing. Then the baptism of Jesus is not about water. Jesus never baptized anyone in water. Jesus' baptism is the baptism of the Spirit. He laid hands on them, and he blew on them. Again, it's like catching a cold. You catch it from one that has it. It's spread like that. Paul laid hands on them, and the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. There's nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. The lowest of the gifts is speaking in tongues. So in case you're wanting to know if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute, I've been baptized, and, and you know I felt that, that warmth, that peace come to my heart. Yep, I felt it too, nine years old, I got it. And that is confirmation that you got your name in the book of life. But that is not baptism in the Holy Spirit. The lowest of the nine gifts is speaking in tongues. So if you don't have the lowest of the gifts, you don't have the other eight better gifts, okay? So what do you do? What I've discovered is the easiest, simplest way to get the baptism in the Holy Spirit is to have someone that has it, that you're sure has the real baptism in the Holy Spirit, have them lay hands on you, anoint you with oil, that would be typically olive oil, and pray that you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's caught more than taught. And then when you get it, the easiest way to get it 
is to allow your mouth to say something that's not English. You got to trust God. You got to let something come out of your lips that seems like gibberish. You know, about a toy, about a Honda, shit about a Toyota, about a Honda, shit about a Toyota. I'm saying bought a Honda, but should have bought a Toyota. Okay. That was a joke. <laughs> In other words, you're going to be speaking something other than English. And when those people speak something other than English, boom. Just like that. That's when they get it. And I've already given my testimony, so I don't think I need to give my testimony again. But it was the biggest single change in my life. And I've been baptized in the water five times. But that one baptism in the Holy Spirit changed me more than anything. Anyway, all right, so let's go on. So Paul laid hands on them, and the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about twelve. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But, here it is, but when divers were hardened, and people believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. You would think that the Holy Ghost would stand there toe-to-toe and argue and argue and argue and argue. There's a point in there. I'll even say there's a point in a person's walk towards salvation. If they don't try, if they aren't seeking God, then they'll receive a reprobate spirit. And typically, in times past, my observations is the Holy Spirit just stops coming knocking on their heart. They, they get a reprobate mind. They get just cold-hearted. And you might say the Holy Spirit kind of gives up until they start turning to Jesus. Got to seek Jesus. You got to seek him. Bible says, he that seeks me will, with all of his heart will find me. This continued by the space of two years, so that all they that went to Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. So there's a time where God did allow the gospel to go to Asia. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. That certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and the chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. In other words, if you're going to name the name of Jesus, you better have a clean heart. You better really know him. I will admit that it'll be very good if you are studied up in your Bible, if you have a prayer closet, if you are praying daily, if you really want your prayers to be heard. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling in Ephesus. And fear fell on all them, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Let me read that scripture again. There's something real powerful in that scripture something we typically don't do today, that we should. 
And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. What's it saying? And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. What's it talking about? And let me write that down. Let's see. That's uh, 1918. I'm not as good at remembering these scriptures exactly where they are as I used to be. But I'm going to search here for just a second, see if I can find something. There's a scripture that says, confess their faults. Unto another. There we go. I thought it was James 5.16, but I couldn't remember for sure. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you be healed. The effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, what this seems to be saying, let me back up. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven. Now, here is a little hint. Confess your faults one to another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. So what is that really saying? It's saying that if we want our sins to be forgiven, we should confess them. Now, we modern American Christians want to think, well, I can confess them to Jesus, but I want to have to confess them openly. According to this and according to Acts 19.18, it may have been saying they would confess them openly. I remember that when Demos Shakarian started the Full Gospel Businessmen, he said he would get some people to come and give their testimony and a few people to play the guitar and sing, and he would go out at the local parks. And this was back in the 50s. And he would set up and start singing to the Lord, singing praises, and then he'd have people get up and give their testimony. Part of their testimony was they would start saying, you know, well, I was a drug addict, or, you know, I was unfaithful to my wife, or, you know, I was... a." Uh, uh, you know, the, the other various, various, I stole, I used to be a, a crook or something like that. And people out of the park in those days in California would listen, they'd get saved, and then they'd come up and want to give their testimony. And it became that what would happen is people get saved and they'd come up and start giving their whole testimony about how they used to be in drugs or a drug dealer or they used to steal or they'd killed somebody. I mean, some amazing things. But they found healing in confessing their faults, specifically confessing their sins. I remember, okay, can I remember his name? Charles Doss. Charles Doss laid hands on and anointed the oil and, and got the baptism of the Holy Spirit to come on the lady that does the end-time handmaiden, she's gone to be the Lord too. So is Charles Doss. 
Charles told this story. He said, man, I mean miracles. We're having miracle meeting, miracle meeting after miracle meeting after miracle meeting. He said, every night I was in a, a different place doing a miracle meeting, a different church. He said, I was bouncing all over America. He said, one night I went into this one church and he said, I was sitting there in the chair waiting for them to introduce me. And the Holy Spirit said, there will be no miracles here tonight. And he thought, oh, whoa. Oh, that's not good. Tell them. He said, so I walked in the microphone and I said, the Holy Spirit's told me there's not going to be any miracles here tonight. And he walked back over and sat down. And there was silence. There was still silence. There was silence for several minutes until finally one person started crying. Another person started crying. Then another person started crying. And then another person started crying. And before long, it wasn't 10 or 15 minutes, he said the whole place was on their knees crying and weeping to God. He said, then the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Go up and tell him. I've heard your prayers, I've forgiven your sins, and I'm going to see miracles. So he walked to the microphone and told him that. He said it was the most powerful meeting he ever had. Why? Because the people confessed their faults. I remember one time we were doing a crusade. I don't remember where. We've done, you know, 70 of these crusades, three-day crusades. Uh, and it goes like all day Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 9 to noon, 2 to 5, 7 to 10. Leslie and I'm <laughs> thinking about it the other day. We're like, how did we do all those crusades? Teach three hours, go take a nap for two hours, teach three hours, nap two hours. How did we do that? I didn't do that for three days. We couldn't do that today. Anyway, in one of the crusades, the Lord told us to do that. We set up a microphone, and we started off with Leslie and I, and then we had other people come up. And just confess their sins. And it was a really powerful evening. So I think that's what it's talking about, confessing your sins. So let me go back here to Acts 19.18. Okay. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. And many of them also which had used curious arts. We call it witchcraft and... Uh, New Age stuff, that's what we call it today. Curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them about 50,000 pieces of silver. That's a lot of money worth of books. That's a big pile of very expensive books. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Now you see that, you remember, no, I guess I... There's a prophecy, I'll say it this way. There's a prophecy out there that says that we are going to see Bibles being burned in America again. So it's, it's coming. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. After these things were ended, Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I've been there, I must also see Rome. So he sent to Macedonia two of them that ministered unto him, Timotheus and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a season. And at the same time, there arose no small stir about that way, 
for a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, which made silver shrines for Diana, brought no small gain unto the craftsmen, whom he called together with a workmanlike occupation and said, Sirs, you know that by this craft we have our wealth. Moreover, you see in here that not alone in Eph- at Ephesus, but also almost throughout all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away much people, saying that they be no gods which are made with the hands. So that not only this our craft is endangered to be set at naught, but also that the temple of God, great goddess Diana should be despised and her magnificence should be destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worshipeth. And when they heard these things, they were full of wrath and cried out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. And the whole city was filled with confusion, having caught Gaius and Aristarchus, men of Macedonia, Paul's companions in travel. They rushed with one accord into the theater. And when Paul would have entered into the people, the disciples suffered him not. In other words, they said, no, 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 Paul, do not go in there. No, 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 we're not letting you go in there. You're going to go in there and get yourself killed. Paul would have entered into the people, the people suffered him not. And a certain of the chief of Asia, which were his friends, sent unto him, desiring him that he would not adventure himself into the theater. Some therefore cried one thing, some another, for the assembly was confused. And the more part knew not wherefore they were come together. And they drew Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward. And Alexander beckoned with the hand and would have made his defense unto the people. But when they knew that he was a Jew, all with one of one voice about the space of two hours cried out, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. And when the town clerk had appeased the people, he said, You men of Ephesus, what man is there that knoweth not how that the city of Ephesians is a worshiper of the great goddess Diana and of the image which fell down from Jupiter? Seeing thee then that these things cannot be spoken against, ye ought to be quiet and to do nothing rashly. For ye have brought hither these men, which are neither robbers of churches nor yet blasphemers of your goddess. Wherefore, if Demetrius and the craftsmen which are with him have a matter against man, the law is open, and there are deputies, let them, be, let them impede one another. But if you inquire anything concerning matters, it shall be determined in a lawful assembly. For we are in danger to be called and questioned for this day's uproar, there being no cause whereby we may give an account of this concourse. And when he had thus spoken, he dismissed the assembly. So what happened? The buddies of Paul wouldn't let Paul go in there because they were afraid Paul, their leader, might be killed. And there was a big ruckus. So what's this saying to us today? You think Paul and Silas had it bad? You think Timotheus and other people had it bad? You ain't seen nothing yet. This last generation, we, us, people right here now tonight, People listen, follow Prophecy Club. We're about to have to go through a testing like no one has gone through. And that's the reason I beg you, memorize Psalm 23, Psalm 91 at a minimum. A minimum. Look at when you're standing up there and they're about to take a big, long, curved sword and lop your head off, that's not the time to say, can I, can I see my cell phone? 
because because I need to, I need to look up that verse. What was that verse? What was that verse? Okay, you got to know it. You have to know the Bible. You have to know the Bible. Memorize yourself some verses. Danny, one of the people in our congregation, I think he says he has 78 three by five cards now. He will write on a three by five card a verse and then go through and memorize the verse. And which I think is a very good idea. I use that idea to help me with my Hebrew studies. Say, so I made me some flashcards. <laughs> okay. These are, I think I've got, well, got them here. No, I got it right here. Some of these Hebrew letters you look at and say, is that upside down? But anyway, so on the one side, that's a Saudi. And then on the back of it, I have here Saudi, and it means pull, hook, desire, harvest, bondage. And this is the sign of a hook. Doesn't look like a hook, but that's what it means. And that sign has the numerical value of 18. So, I would recommend, at a very minimum, that you write down some verses. Verses of strength, verses of protection, so that in the day, the day of trouble, you're able to quote those verses. I remember a story of some combat team in some war someplace had memorized Psalm 91. And this team quoted it every morning. They were able to get through the entire war. Not one of them was scratched or injured, and many of the people around about them were killed. I remember one night I was pulling out of the gym, heading home. I guess we're done with this, so I guess I can stop this now. Setting out of the gym after playing racquetball, and I pulled up to pull onto a fairly busy street. It wasn't, wasn't a freeway. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, you're about to have an accident. I literally answered out was the wrong, wrong thing to do here. But I, I literally said out of my own lips, I said, well, if I'm about to have an accident, I plead the blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus. Now, what I should have done is sat there for five minutes until there was a really, really big opening. But I didn't do that. I mean, it was really, really big. The traffic was really tough. So I plead the blood of Jesus. I pulled out, and sure enough, man, I mean, there was a car. I didn't know what to do, so I just froze. And the Lord protected me. I was not hit, but boy, my heart was pounding, and I thought, that's what he was talking about. I'm saying, we're the last generation, my brothers and sisters. You better get your King James Bible out, and you better get to memorizing some serious scriptures. The days of living the life, the days of having a good time, are all about over. The days when we live by our faith are in the process of arriving. The day is going to come when you will sorely regret having not spent some serious, serious time memorizing the Bible. You don't have to, you know, like I did here. This is my book. This is actually a copy of the book because the real book is, is too important for me to be handling every day. But this is where I wrote out the book of Revelation. 
these are all my notes and this thing down here over here there it is right there was one way i was trying to remember something about the scriptures anyway you know i have to do the whole book of revelation but i recommend strongly that you at least memorize psalm 23 psalm 91 he that dwell in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty i cannot tell you how many times in a time of trouble, that is going to come in handy for you. It's really, 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 really important that you do that. Okay, so let me see. Is there anything I need to see over here? Stan, my son was Christian till he went to college and joined a Jewish frat. Yep. Went to the godless college. How many people do we have watching on uh, YouTube or Facebook or something like that? Somebody can look and maybe tell me. <sighs> George White, you told me personally to memorize Psalm 91 several years ago, and now I pray daily and also Psalm 23. Good for you. Good for you. Okay, so we have 10 minutes left. Let me pray for you. Um, let me just show you something. I think I can lay my hands on it pretty quick, which is why I will try to bring it up. Yep. Okay. Where was it now? Let's see. Do a search. That's not it. Hang on. Got the right document. Have to find where it says it. Ah, here it is. Okay, okay, okay. Now, how can I bring this up so you can see it? This might take a minute. It'll be worth it if I can get it up. Okay, all right, I got it. I got it. Hang on here. Where is, where is, where is this? Present. Screen window. This one. Got it. Okay. This, um, let me make sure you can see it. Yeah, but I got to make this bigger. So, hang on. So you can see it. There you go. All right. Aha. I'll quit bumping the wrong keys. Okay, this was a prophecy 
that is related to you. Prophecy that was given to me by Andrew Bronkhorst, Andre Bronkhorst, back in 2019. This is the part that I want you to look at right here. So he says, you have the gift of revelation. It's a gifting. It's not normal. Talking about me. The greatest scholars in the world don't have that gift. You've got a gift that's upon you. I hear God saying, as your son, your sons and daughters will carry that same revelation. You will open up the eyes to see as well, the eyes that they will be enlightened. They will witness and they will see it's not secondary information. They will see the same revelation will come forth in their lives as well in this season. Now, that's the point. Meaning, since I memorized the book of Revelation, what he told me, and uh, the Lord already told me this, this was just a confirmation, that I have the authority through God to pray for people, especially if I can anoint them with oil, and that they can receive that same Revelation spirit. Now, when you return, or when you come to the Watchman's Conference, which I want you to come September 15 and 16, uh, we're going to lower the 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 suggested donation to come. I don't know what we're going to do there yet, but we're going to make it easier for you to come. I want you to come. Hang on. Something's gone wrong here. Wow. One of my lights has gone out. Okay. Maybe that's why I'm looking old. <laughs> anyway, I want you to come out and anoint you with oil so you can receive that spirit of revelation. But I'm going to still pray that you receive it right now. I'm going to try to impart that gift to you. That means that when you study the scriptures, that you will get a revelation. You will know and understand them not just by your head, but by the spirit in your heart. Lord, we thank you for showing us the deep and secret things tonight. We say great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. You have been so good to us. You have blessed us so many times, so many ways. We thank you for your blessing. And Lord, you gave me the authority to lay hands on people. And hopefully you'll also honor it just through the, the video tonight and impart to them the gift of revelation. The revelation knowledge so that when they understand, when they read your, your scriptures, they will understand them. And especially when they read the prophecies, they will understand them. And Lord, I ask you to call their name, make them watchmen, and send them out into the vineyard to be able to explain and to warn and to teach other people. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so it is 728. Um, God bless you guys. And by the way, if you do want to give uh, someplace there, you know, if nothing else, you can go to prophecyclub.com. And, and I recommend you do that, not that we need the money, as much as that's how you get blessed. We get blessed by giving. As a matter of fact, if you were to ask me, what is it that has given me more blessings than anything? Spirit of Prophecy Church? No. Prophecy Club? No. Some member or members of Prophecy Club? No. It's my giving. I think that my primary blessing that God has given me through the years is my giving. 
and I can talk about that a lot, but I, you know, we're not supposed to let the right hand know what the left hand does when we're giving. So I'll just say that it is a blessing. Hopefully you can discover the joy of giving. And right now we're asking for you to sign up, become a member of Prophecy Club. And you do that by joining, giving an automatic donation of $9.90. And I believe you can probably click there someplace and get set up on that. Go to prophecyclub.com and I know you can. Anyway, God bless you. Thank you for for, uh, coming. And I feel a lot of love from you guys out there. We're a big family. I look forward to seeing you eternity uh, along when we get to meet Jesus and all the prophets and things like that. God bless you and thank you for watching. I will be back here next Friday as far as I know. Lord willing, of course.